In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Christos Anesti, Christos Avtonf, Chen Omethmi Avtonf, very good. Christ is risen. My beloved, today is the first Sunday of the Pentecostal period, or the period after the resurrection. And actually today is one of the minor feasts of the Lord. It's uh, uh, celebrated by our church. It's Thomas Sunday. Um, and if we think about it, why is it that a day in which we read how Thomas doubted the, the Lord and he only believed when he put his finger in his side, why is this a feast that we celebrate? It's not really the doubt of Thomas that we're celebrating, but it's the um, the idea that now the, the eighth day after the resurrection, so the resurrection was last Sunday, and then eight days later would be this Sunday. The disciples were gathered together again in the upper room, and now Christ was with them again. So this was like an inauguration of Christ being in the midst of the, the disciples on the first day of the week. So from this time, the disciples would gather together uh, and celebrate, you know, with one another. After this would be the Eucharist every uh, Sunday. Uh, so this became an inauguration for Sunday being a remembrance of the Lord's resurrection, of which we remember every divine liturgy we have, we remember his resurrection. It also re- serves as a reminder for us that although we may experience, you know, pain or tragedy, or even loss of life in this world and in this life, they're all overcome by the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. So death kind of no longer has the last word, but life has the last word. Um, we also saw today, um, not only today, but actually throughout this whole past week, um, that it was through faith in the resurrection that we are given power to overcome fear and doubt. We'll focus a little bit uh, this morning, uh, just a few points about how faith in the resurrection can allow us to overcome certain fears. We just mentioned a few examples. The first one is the fear of commitment, the fear of commitment. If you're ever, you know, uh, entering into like a long-term commitment, whether it be marriage or career or or anything else, Sometimes there's an element of fear that's involved. But, you know, and through the faith in the resurrection, this can help us overcome this um, maybe fear that we have to be able to commit to something. If remember, in the, after the resurrection, the Lord appeared to the disciples in the upper room. He appeared to the Marys, and he also appeared to St. Peter and six other disciples on the Sea of Tiberias. They were going back to go fishing again, as they were in their previous job. And then he revealed himself to them. He told them, throw the net on the right side. And they threw the net and they caught all these fish. And St. John recognized that it was the Lord. And as soon as St. John said this, St. Peter put on his his, uh, his garment and he jumped into the sea and went to the Lord. The Lord prepared for them breakfast that morning and they ate together. And after they'd eaten, he pulled Simon Peter aside. Then he says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he responded and says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And St. Peter was the type who was like, he says what, exactly what's on his mind before even thinking about it. He'd say it, right? I mean, the Lord said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and there they're going to cruci- crucify me and kill me. He says, no, Lord, I love you and I'll go and die with you. Right? Just says whatever's on his mind. He means it, but he says whatever's on his mind. 
So when the Lord asked him, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, of course I love you. He said, feed my lambs. Then he said again, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then he said, tend, uh, my, tend my sheep. Then it says he asked him the third time. His response was a bit different. He said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And it says here, Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? Why do you suppose that he was grieved the third time? It's because he began to recall to himself what happened before. The first time when he said, the Lord said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, they're going to kill me. Out of love for him, he said, I'm going to go and I'll die for you there. And then he ended up denying him three times and swore that he never knew him. So now I began to think, is he now warning me of something else? So he began to doubt himself. So he began to have this grief in his heart. And listen to his response this time though. This time he says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So this time, when he expresses his love for him, he doesn't add any promises. All he says, Lord, all he says is that, Lord, you know all things. He didn't make any promises, any commitments from himself. I will go and die with you. I will do this. Because last time when he depended on himself, what happened? He denied him. So he began to think to himself, you Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. That's it. Full stop. That's what he said. And because he displayed now an elevation to his, of his faith, and what's the elevation here is that he didn't trust in himself. He didn't put trust in his own abilities. Right? But he's put his trust in the Lord to work through him. He says, Lord, all I know is that I love you. Where you take me after this, I don't know. My strength and my ability, I'm not going to depend on because last time I did this, it got me into trouble. So I don't know, Lord. I'll follow you wherever you take me, but I don't know. And once he displayed this faith, this ability to not depend on oneself, but to depend on him, look what the Lord told him. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. So before you walked where you wished, by your own mind, you guided yourself. But now, he says, you've changed. He says, but when you're old, uh, you stretch, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. So when you're older, when you're more mature, somebody will carry you and take you to a place where you do not wish to go. St. John adds after this that he was referring to the way in which St. Peter would die. And St. Peter would ultimately die a martyr. He would be crucified upside down. But when he says here, another will gird, uh, gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This means what? That now I will, Christ is saying, I will guide you in the way that perhaps you don't wish. But now you'll be willing to follow. Why? Because you're not going by your own mind. But all you're saying is, I love you and I will do whatever you want. No trust in oneself. So sometimes when we feel like we have a fear of commitment in any part of our life, this can be overcome by humility, by becoming utterly vulnerable and dependent on the Lord, showing Him that we have no confidence in ourselves and our own independence uh, apart from Him. This doesn't mean that 
God wants us to be, you know, weak and feeble and not being able, uh, incompetent. No. But He wants us to do everything in Him. I conquer these fears in Him. And I walk in the way that He wants me to walk. Not the way that I'm going to walk um, by my own mind. I was speaking with somebody and he was telling me a story. Uh, and it relates to this. They were visiting uh, a monastery in Egypt. And on the road, it was, it was quite some uh, distance. And on the road, he was very tired. This man was very tired. So as he's driving, he's saying to himself, Ya Rabustur, Ya Rabustur, Khalik Ma'aya, Lord, be with me. Help the, you know, way be, you know, straight. And it was, it was nighttime. And he was driving, he was driving, everything was okay. And then he comes like right, like uh, a few kilometers from where the monastery is. And he said to himself, it, within himself, he didn't say this out loud. He said it to himself, Thank you, God. You've got me this far. I can handle it from here. And he said, Abuna, that immediately right after I said this, I found a, like this huge boulder or this rock came in front of the car. My tires hit this boulder and the car took off and flipped over several times. Thankfully, they all, Yanni, survived. You know, every, everything was okay. I'm not saying that God's going to do this, but this taught this man a powerful lesson in I can, you know, at one point he said, okay, I can do this on my own. But he realized, no, from now on, I go with him all the way until the end. I don't say I can handle it from here at any point. Every moment is, I can only do this, Lord, if you're with me. Another fear that we can overcome through the resurrection of our Lord is the fear of from our adversaries, or the fear of adversaries. <clears throat> if you remember the story of Jacob, um, after he had uh, married and had children and everything and his livestock, everything was great. He was going and leaving Laban, but he went to uh, the area in which his brother Esau was there. And last time he saw his brother Esau, he fled from him because he wanted to kill him. So some of his servants came back and said, you know what, Esau is coming too and he wants to see you, but he has 400 men with him. So, of course, now Jacob is terrified. He's not coming to kill me, but he's coming to kill me, my family, and everybody else that I uh, that I know and I love. So he became terrified. So that night, before he went to meet his brother, the Lord appeared to him and wanted to comfort and console him and ease his anxiety. So he appeared to him, and he wrestled with him. And he allowed him to feel like that he conquered the Lord in this wrestling match. And the Lord touched the hip of his socket and he was limping. And then he went after this and he met his brother. And of course, his brother was happy uh, to see him. So he was feared from his adversaries. But the Lord appeared to him wanting to reassure him that he will live after this encounter. If you can wrestle with God and live, then you can wrestle with Esau and you will live. So don't worry. Don't fear. This is what he wanted to tell him. The gospel from today. We saw the disciples were in the upper room, terrified of the Jews, right? Because if they crucified their master, they're coming for them next. So they were terrified. And what happens? The Lord appears to them, and the first thing he says to them is what? Peace to you. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. He wants to show them, at the end of the day, this life on earth is not the end. I'm still alive. I'm here before you. Here are my hands and here's my side. It's really me. And there's life after death and there's glory to come with it. But you have a mission here on earth. 
right? So he wanted to give them this hope and this confidence that on earth is not it. This is not the end of the story. And we think about any time we fear any adversary, what's the worst thing that our adversary can do? Just kill us, right? This is how the martyrs were able to face those who wanted to slaughter them. I always refer back to the 21 martyrs because their image is very clear in our head, right? They stood there on the shores of Libya, their face uncovered, not one ounce of fear that's shown on their faces. But actually, if you look at it, the people who were slaughtering them, they had their covers, their head, their faces covered. They were the ones who were scared, not the ones who were being martyred. How were they able to do this? Have this great courage to overcome their adversary is because they had faith in the resurrection. On earth is not the end of the story. Through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, this gives the believer victory over all our fears or from our adversaries. The last is the fear of my ability. Am I really able to do X, Y, and Z or not? This is a question that comes across everyone's mind. Regardless of your age, regardless of your occupation, regardless of your education, am I really able to do this? There's a story of a man in the Old Testament, one of the judges named Gideon, right? God appeared to him and told him, I want you to go and conquer the Midianites. So the Lord said to him, and look how the Lord describes him. And he was, you know, if we can describe Gideon in the beginning, he was like there kind of terrified with his knees knocking together. And he says, go in this might of yours. So God is saying to get in this might of yours. He's not speaking to Samson. He's not speaking to David. He's not speaking to Solomon. He's speaking to Gideon. And he says, this might of yours. All right? And Gideon's probably thinking to myself, I think he must be speaking about the wrong guy because it's not me. All right? And he says what? Go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So the idea is not in Gideon's power, but the fact that God has sent him and it's through God's power and His grace that He will save him and save all of Israel. And then what did He say? So He said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. So I'm the our clan is the weakest, and of the weakest clan, I'm the weakest of the weakest. Right? So He said to him, I'm not able, Lord. I'm not able to do it. Then God began to speak to him with promises and encouragement. And he says, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. So he gave him this positive encouragement. And from this, so this can be infused in him a positive attitude. You know, sometimes what we speak to one another um, infuses that type of attitude in each other. When you speak positive things to people, they will have what? A positive attitude. When you put people down, they will have a what? A negative attitude. And this is especially true with children. You tell them that you're a failure, you're annoying, and you're so-and-so, guess what? They're going to be failures, and they're going to be annoying, and so-and-so. But if you can tell them, show me how you can be better, or show me that you can do so-and-so, then they say, okay, and now I can, I can build upward. I will be that person that you want me to be. Right? So sometimes... We can conquer uh, these fear in our ability through the resurrection of Christ and through this positive attitude and reliance on God. This is why St. Paul tells us, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things. 
We saw briefly this morning how faith in the resurrection can cure different types of fear in our life. And in our, uh, if our faith in his resurrection is so important to cast out these fears, why is it that we find he doesn't appear to us individually to confirm us of his resurrection and to confirm our faith? Why didn't he, why didn't we, when we read the, uh, the, the post-resurrection accounts, why does it seem, or why is it that oftentimes he's unrecognized by those whom he appears to? When he appeared to Mary Magdalene, she didn't know him. When he appeared to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, they walked with him miles and they didn't know him, right? When they met, when the Lord met with the disciples on the Sea of Tiberias in the beginning, they didn't know him. Although they lived three and a half years with him, they didn't know him. So if this faith of the resurrection is so important, why does he seem like he's sometimes he's absent? Uh, Father Wilfred Stinnison said something really nice and he, I think he gives a really good answer to this. Pay attention to this quote. He says, the disciples think that Jesus is coming to them from outside, but Jesus is with them the whole time. It is just that he periodically turns on the light so they can see him pretty much as when he lived in their midst. After a few moments together and in uh, indescribable joy, light is again turned off. The co- their communion continues, but now in darkness, or rather in the light of faith. Thanks to these inner sensibilities of faith, you know that love of God surrounds you, that you are swimming in the sea of light and love. Of course, you can still feel lonely and abandoned from time to time, but the sensibilities of faith tell you that this feeling is an illusion with no ground in reality. The reality is that Christ is with you all the days of your life until the end of time. So, Father Wilford describes this as like uh, their eyes being opened to see the Lord as the lights being turned on. And then when he is unrecognized by them, the light turns off. <clears throat> but the reality is that he's with them all the time, right? When the disciples were on the road to Emmaus, the Lord is with them all the time. But just the lights were off. Why? To give them the opportunity that the light of faith might turn on. So they're not walking in darkness because they're enlightened the whole time, right? The Lord, from the beginning of, uh, uh, from Moses up until the crucifixion, he, the Lord was teaching them. So they were actually enlightened, but they didn't recognize him. So that way the light of faith can turn on. And it's the light of faith that assures us that Christ is with us and in us, even if the light seems to be turned off around us or things seem to be dark. This is why the Lord told Thomas and the disciples, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed, because they now they walk in the light of faith. The light of faith is always on. So we see with this that we can uh, overcome our fears through the light of faith in the resurrection, and we can overcome the fear of commitment um, through humility. We can fear, overcome the fears of our adversaries through our faith in the resurrection, knowing that death has no longer a victory over us. And lastly, we can fear my own abilities by having a reliance on God and a positive attitude. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.